all with me just using this knowledge that I thought was basic. I said, girl, you on to something. You. I kept searching the world and searching for the answer, searching for the safety and the solution in corporate. And it's very different when you look for safety in corporate and then you become the safety in entrepreneurship. Ooh, say that again. You looking for the safety in corporate that you become the safety, safety in entrepreneurship. entrepreneurship. When you incorporate that that bi-weekly or monthly check is the safety that you're constantly seeking and working towards. Mm -hmm. When you're in entrepreneurship, you are the safety. Before we get into this episode, I know you've been struggling with the idea of starting your own business and launching a premium product that you know is gonna transform lives. So I have a bomb resource for you. The man himself, Words Taylor, is going to help you launch your product or service for the clients who need your help right now. Now you can't call yourself a business owner unless you are getting in front of new clients every single day, and Words knows exactly how to do that. All you have to do is tap in so he can teach you his six-figure launch strategy that's produced over $5 million in client sales. So all you have to do is go to HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com. That's HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com and get into the free training. It's happening this week. So go to HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com and let's get into the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I am your host, Arielle Young, and we have Miss Tamasha Suber here today. What's up? Listen, <laughs> business, I would say business strategist, coach, real woman, a powerful spirit. I've really been excited. It's been like months since I had a chance to get you on here. I feel like, I feel like we've been working on this for like eight or nine months. It's kind of crazy. Like we were about to birth a baby on here, just so y'all know. <laughs> Literally. The birth of a baby actually did happen because <laughs> the podcast is diff has definitely grown. Um, but watching you, like, I'll be honest with you, um, and you don't know this. Maybe maybe you do, but mm -hmm. I, um, I reached out to you after finding, see, I'm, I'm just, like, doing my, you know, um, research, market research, looking at, like, people who are out there doing their thing. And I really got captivated, but I think I looked at one of your posts, and yeah. I was like... Yo, this girl goes hard. <laughs> so I sent you a message and I'm like, hey girl, I love your post. And it just, it's been genuine energy ever since. Literally. I think those are the best connections too. Because I remember when you reached out, I was like, what, you want me on her podcast? Let's do it. Because we talked a little bit before and I think it just goes to the power of being on the internet too and actually connecting with people. Yes. Yeah. And one thing that I can say for sure is you to, to in order to do that you have to be your authentic self and you do it like no other. You know, I just I just try to be me. That's it. I mean honestly, the more I'm me, I feel like the better clients I attract, the easier it is to run my business and the easier it is to just be myself. Yeah. Off the internet. You know what I mean? Keyword <laughs> off the internet. So let's yeah. get let's get into let's it. Cause, get into cause it. I know you got a couple words for us. Um, so without further ado, would you please introduce yourself to the folks? Yes. Hi, I am Tamasha Suber, um, strategic partner and leadership expert, and I help women to leverage their leadership positions in both business and life. So we are all about profitability, but let's make it happy as well. All about profitability, but let's make it happy as well. We gotta talk about your start. For those of people who don't know, yeah. like. You come from corporate, but you don't you don't give me any corporate vibes. Can we talk about your, your start? Where'd you get your start in leadership coaching? So I would say I come from corporate and so I got laid off from my job. And when I got laid off, I remember, you know how normally you like, you get laid off and you're like, okay, let me just start applying for jobs. I went home that night. I didn't cry for like four days about the whole thing. I was hurt, but I didn't cry for like four days. And mm -hmm. I said, you know, I went, I went home that night. I went in my office. I'm sitting there looking at this HP desktop. It had been giving me the blue screen of death for like two weeks, no <laughs> lie. You know, when it pops up, you're like, boom, it's gonna crash any day now. 
I sat at my desk and I said, I don't ever want to feel useless again. Like, I don't ever want to feel like if someone decides that they just don't need me, that I don't have anything. And mm -hmm. I literally felt like I didn't have anything. And so I said, I want to help people figure out how they don't have to feel this feeling, but in business. I've been doing this for this business, helping them to generate revenue. I've been helping them to grow and expand the company. Why don't I do that for myself? Like, why don't I consult? And from that day forward, I just started planting small seeds. And then yeah. here I am today. Here you are today. Now, when you talk about like that moment of like, you never want to ever feel useless again. I feel like that comes with so much. And then also for you to like spring into creating your own business, yeah. you, outside looking in, it can look like you didn't take any of those like negative limiting beliefs with you. Yeah. So when it comes to like being in that space, the first thing that a lot of corporate professionals realize is, yo, I'm making this company a lot of money. Yeah. Like what were you doing in your company? And then like, what, how did you come to that realization that like, hey, I'm making you guys a lot of money. So when, so when I really got into um, a position, uh, a managerial leadership role, where I was actually overseeing millions of dollars of budgets. Mm. So I was responsible for, I was overseeing both, which is rare, both the accounts receivable and accounts payable for a residential program, which okay. was just crazy. We had like three different cost centers and it, I got to see everything. And you know how, I think a lot of people don't understand that when you're working in jobs typically, until you get to a certain level of management and leadership, you don't really understand the financial uptick and the things that are required and how much you're spending and I really got to see how much of a role and how huge of an impact my knowledge and work had been those projects that I had been working on that new department I had helped them set up um, some of the mm. audits that I had done while I was I had quantified one of the projects I, did, I was like oh I think you know we brought in an extra couple hundred thousand well actually what that turned out to be was a whole new department that they didn't even realize could be super profitable Making millions. You create a whole line item for a business. Right. And so you don't, I think that it really helped me to see in that, in being in that position, just how valuable my expertise and commitment was. Because mm -hmm. I had come to that company and it kind of really didn't exist. There was no structure. There was no processes. There was no, this is for sure how we can do this. And yeah. so being in that manager and leadership role really got, it really helped me to see the value in my expertise. Um, and really got me to start start to thinking like I could maybe do this on my own one day. I just hadn't planned on actually doing it. <laughs> but the push mm -hmm. is what actually, and I want to get to the push because a lot of times it takes a bit of a push for us to kind of step into our purpose. Yeah. But we got to take it a little bit further back because when we're raised as corporate, I was raised as a corporate woman. So I would love yeah. to hear a little bit of your like background yeah. when you were um, in college. Like, what did you? And if it doesn't even start, like, where does it start for you? Like, where you started to formulate, I'm gonna be a career woman. Ooh, you know what? I would say this. I think. So we've always had hustlers in my family. And hustlers, whether it was legal or illegal, I'm just gonna be honest with you. But mm -hmm. we've always had um, hustlers. Some people had small businesses. Some of their business last a few months, some of them last a couple of years. Some people still have them. They just might be smaller. And so I would always see business around me, but I was always most attracted to and intrigued by the ones that had problems. And so I was actually talking to uh, my brother about this not long ago. I was like, I literally have been intrigued by like things that didn't work for a long time. and. As I would go through college, people always ask me questions about business. You know, like you have your friends graduating with you, or um, when I would work at different jobs, I worked in several different industries mm -hmm. um, through college, and people would always ask me questions. Well, how do I make this better? How would I start this? What do you think about adding this? And then when I got to corporate, it was the same thing, but now that's causing me to get promoted, right? And I'm like, hold on here, I'm onto something. And so I just started to really Let me understand. Stop you real quick. It. Mm -hmm. Cause you said it, that's what was getting you promoted. Like mm -hmm. when you're getting performance reviews, what was the feedback that you were getting about your skill set? The feedback was that I was always 
I was always noticing something that other people didn't and I was always committed to like finding like the root cause or like I would be the person to say like oh yeah this is wrong and instead of ignoring it I would come to the manager but not with the problem I came with the solution already mm. right because so, a lot like, of times people come in like hey this is yeah, wrong this is wrong you're yeah. like hey I've already figured out what we need to do yeah because like one of my leaders I went to him and I was like you know it's just really crazy I was working at multiple locations at the time mm -hmm. and I would get really aggravated because they'd ask me to work extra you know how it is they actually work extra you go work at other location and everybody's supposed to be doing the same thing stuff's everywhere you know, the, the people are yelling at me because I'm doing stuff different and we also doing the same, you know, same thing. And so I went to him one day and he's used to people just complaining. And I remember I walked in and I had created this like 30 page document of how we could all do the same thing if we all just followed this. And he was shook. I mean, I had screenshots of how exactly how you should do this. And it turned into being a training manual for our whole department. Did you envision that it was going to be applied to the, to the entire department or no. were you just like, I got an idea? No, I just had an idea. It was, it really just kind of came out. Literally, it was kind of selfish, to be honest with you. It didn't start out like, I'm just going to take this and just create this for the whole department. I really was just like, hey, this is how we do it. And I'm wondering if there's a way that all of us can at least do this part of it the same way. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to give him the example because nothing like that existed. It was all like we were trained, we took our own notes, and then everyone did their own thing. And if we had it in one place and everyone got the same instructions, it would be better. Yeah. And when he saw it, he was just like, I mean, this is... I mean, you came with a solution, but you you came with a solution. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was like in that moment, I think of him really just, he really reminded me of just how valuable it was because he also saw a lot in me when I first came to that department. And he was the first person, his name was John, the first person to truly put some effort and time into pointing out like what you have is kind of rare. Mm. Like at this level, someone who actually cares when put in that time. Do you have some development to do? Yes, I wasn't perfect at all, yeah. but you've got something here. I think that's so valuable. A lot of times when we look back at corporate, we go like the whole thing you know, sucks. We wanna throw the mm -hmm. whole baby in the bathwater. You know, oh yeah. But when you find that there are within corporations, good managers, mm -hmm. and some of them are innately that way, and yeah. some of them are trained that way, you like, that can really make or break someone's experience. Oh yeah, because I had both. I had. I had both sides of the coin mm -hmm. and you know I think also he didn't look like me so he's a white male in a huge corporation mm -hmm. and so for him to take that time and be like I really see something in you even during the times where I had tough situations he was very supportive and so mm -hmm. for me I'll never forget that and that outweighs all the bad that happened yeah uh, one more question about your um, experience that experience is dope with you being able to propose a new solution um, but you can think of a million stories of people like why everybody doing it like this this sucks this is so backwards and you're like well what what do you want like what would be a better way mm -hmm. and you want to empower your clients to be like hey like especially as a career coach it's like how do you change your surroundings what you did is a great example of being able to take your career into your own hands mm -hmm. that might not that might not have been like your your goal at the yeah. time but you're like hey I have a solution on the flip side of that what was it like before you came up with a solution before they implemented something that works for you what was life like for you before you actually like changed that hmm working there or just personally personally I think personally I I was in pursuit of something mm -hmm. right like you know I, I went to school I had I literally had just finished my master's so I was master's just about to master's in leadership okay focused in healthcare management mm -hmm. um, and so 
I was well, I was right about to finish my master's. And so you start thinking of all the things you want to do and you start thinking about, you know, the impact you want to have or like, you know, what job you're going to get, how much money you're going to make, you know what I'm saying? And then also trying to figure out who's going to pay these student loans. And so I had been just thinking about what I was going to do. And um, I had made up in my mind that I was going to be open. I think that when I was going for my bachelor's, I had been very rigid in my thinking. Like, you know how you're like, I want that position. Mm -hmm. I want to do this. And I told myself I was going to be more open to what was available and really open up more about what I could do because I would be quiet because I didn't want to be overworked. And I realized that that wasn't going to help me. You were quiet because you realized you didn't want to be overworked. Mm -hmm. That is the mindset that I really think we should like hone in on. <laughs> you said I was quiet because I didn't want to be overworked. So you rather sit, not that this was you, but some mm -hmm. people would rather sit and sulk and be in sorrow than yeah. to like, just kind of like push yourself into doing something that's not in your job description yeah. to make, it, make your life easier. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, I would do more, but I wouldn't be loud about it. Mm. You know, so I would just do it and then if someone would like either maybe take credit for it or I would just be like, okay, and then they would be like, oh man, this is excellent. Oh, it's not a problem. I would shy down the extra mile that I was going. I got you. Right? So that's what I mean by like being quiet. I didn't expect anything back from that extra effort. You're like, oh no, it's nothing. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. the fact that your manager, John, was able to say, no, this is amazing. It gave you a little bit more, I'm sure, like of a voice to actually say, no, this yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Because without that recognition, then you'll continue down that same pattern. Exactly. And I think that's something that, um, if it's okay to say, like it's uh, people of color, that's something that you have to, that we have to think about a lot. And we don't realize subconsciously that we tend to sometimes shy away from expecting more mm -hmm. because of the majority in the room. And so for him, to take that time he really helped me to see through his actions not always through his words that I could be seen and valued for what I had yeah. not for what I looked like Ooh, and weird. I started to expect more because he told me expect more he would say not only just of other people I expected more of myself that's that's big mm -hmm. that's a foundational like character development so when you see Tamasha I'm saying <laughs> like as a Seriously, as a coach, you really are grounded in who you are, and it, mm -hmm. I'm sure it came. We're talking, we're talking about it now. And we're going to get into it a little bit more, um, but that you like facing the reality of like what you have going on and knowing who you are, what you have to offer, it's amazing. So yeah. you mentioned when you were getting your degrees, like you had, you were a bit more rigid, and you said, "This is the career that I want. This is the role that I want." Mm -hmm. And for a lot of coaches, it's a calling. It's not like mm -hmm. we grow up like, "I want to be a career coach. I mm -hmm. want to be a coach," but it does kind of find you. So like, what was that role that you had your finger on? I wanted to be a COO actually. So my ultimate goal was to be a COO. So a chief operate operations officer. Okay. And um, I actually never desired to be a CEO, to be quite honest. And I still don't now. That's not my end goal is to be the CEO of my company. Um, I would love to be the owner and I would love to be the, I just want to be the talent or the owner. I don't want to make all the executive decisions. Right. And so. I had my eyes on being like, I was going to be the top COO in the state of Florida. I'm from Florida. And um, so I was just going to choose positions that would help align towards that. That was exactly what I wanted. I didn't want to do nothing else. Nothing else. I'm a hospital. And you were good nothing at it. Else. So it was like, you want to go into the, the company, figure out what's working, what's not. Mm -hmm. That's always been a thing. It's always been a motif. Yeah. So let me just go into what you got going on and twist yes. some things. And Play around. Yeah. What are the problems? Fix things. Um, you know, and I wanted to be the face to the people internally, not the face to the audience. Mm -hmm. Because the CEO is normally the person that people see. Mm -hmm. You normally don't see the COO. So I didn't want to be seen, which is actually one of my major challenges in business. I don't desire to be seen and people think that about me and that's like 
total opposite. You talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. I love the popular, um, profitable, not pop popular, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I love that saying because um, l even lately for me, I've been coming to the to the like um, mind of like I do like engaging. That's mm -hmm. the part that I like. Yeah. But the part that I don't like is the the rigor of like having to feel like I have to do something to be yeah, popular. Yeah, like forced. Yeah, especially when I'm like. If I don't necessarily have a marketer in mind, so I'm like, this doesn't necessarily attribute to my bottom line specifically. So mm. can you talk a little bit about like, I think that even goes back to me being in, in like high school. So for you, when you were in high school or in like just growing up, what was your relationship with popularity? Wow, I had like, I had the, the weird popularity. So I didn't have that straight up popularity like the girl that everyone wanted to like date or like, like that fun popularity. I had the popularity of like, I, was, I played sports. So I was always known for like, I played softball. So I was like one of the best I could hit. Like I would always probably have the top batting average. Things like, like sports. Mm -hmm. And I was like the home girl, most of the guys, right? And so, cause I just, I just played sports. I was a sports head to be honest with you. And so I think for me, my popularity was more for smarts and athletics. Which is, I feel like it's more, it's like the weird popularity, you know what I mean? Because it's not like, I wasn't the person that went to the parties and things like that. I wasn't the person that like you call if you want to get into trouble. I was boring. And for me, it was the best thing ever. Yeah. Like when I, even now, like um, I've been in Atlanta here for a couple days and we were, we went to, um, we went out to eat the other night and someone was walking through the restaurant and it was like, oh my, are you Tamasha? And I was like. Hi, I'm just, I'm just here for my steak. And in my brain, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, oh man, I'm just here for my steak, right? And for me, it's like the popularity I've had to train myself. It's not really about me being popular. It's about me being impactful. The fact that someone can walk through a restaurant and she felt compelled to tell me her business, number one. And she was telling me like, I watch you online. You impact me so much. And I'm like, what? I impact you through the internet? And people, like, I think we take, we take those things for granted. And so for me, it's like, the, ex the experience that I had in, in, in school, not necessarily being like that top tier popular person that we would normally see in the movies and things like that, has really also helped me to better connect with my audience yeah. and, my, and the people that I serve mm -hmm. because not, every, not all of us are popular and we have to deal with a lot in business. You have to deal with being seen on a different level, judged on a different level, so yeah. yeah. I, think it, I think it goes to, it, it makes sense. Um, and I'm thinking about like, I'm sparsing out in my brain like from a strengths perspective, but as a CEO, you utilize different skills to keep that company afloat. Mm -hmm. You have to take the public speaking. You have to be in front of people. You you have to like bring your personality out there and that's what makes people feel good. Just the energy, right? Yeah. But the COO, like you have, um, it's funny cause like the beginning of this year I said, this is the year of getting good at your thing, like yeah. at getting good at what you do. When you're good at what you do, it speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of like influence and impact that I'm like, that's like, it's, it's amazing for you yeah. to actually be able to do that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy because I think for me, it's more of, that was, it was always the goal. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times the way that people go about growing a business, and which is, it's not wrong, the typical way of growing a business or getting your name out there is you having to scream your name mm -hmm. to the high heavens. Mm -hmm. My goal has always been that I don't wanna lose my voice. This is what's worth the money and this is what people wanna hear. I want people that have been served by me. I want my audience and the people who love me and the people who follow me and support me and pay me. I want them to scream my name louder than I do. Yeah. It's more impactful for them to scream than me. That comes through service. Yeah. That comes through doing right by people. Mm -hmm. You know, that comes through serving people the way that they need to be served. Showing up not only powerfully on the internet, but being the same in person, you know? And so I've been able to build this business and my reputation solely by doing what I say I'm gonna do. 
and people wanting to cheer me on for that. Yeah. Because I did what I said I was going to do, which is very uncommon. The best way to support the Work and Play podcast is by subscribing to the YouTube channel and by going to your favorite podcast player to subscribe and rate the Work and Play podcast. That's all you have to do. So if you are liking the Work and Play podcast, the content, the stories that we're sharing, and you know that this will help someone, go ahead and share the content to someone who could actually use it and help them on their journey to transition from corporate into entrepreneurship. Now let's get back into the episode. So um, you, you found your niche in operations, right? And I'm curious, like there's a struggle that happens for a lot of people, especially like entrepreneurs who have all these ideas and all these great and wonderful things that they want to put out there. Um, and not just in entrepreneurship, but in life, mm -hmm. we're exploring ourselves. Yeah. So like, it seems like it's a straight line of like, obviously you like to tinker with things and fix things. Obviously you had um, the mindset to say, hey, this system isn't working. Let's, let's do a different system and then let's extrapolate this among the team. And now you even being a, a person that's like, Show me your system. Let me automate this thing. Let me figure out a better way for you to actually like mm. run as a business. But how did you find like what kind of projects did you work on that was not your thing yeah. for you to find out what was your thing? Yeah. So I think in the very beginning, I focused a lot on what you just mentioned. Like we would focus on systems and like automations and things like that. And primarily it was because in this space, no one was really talking about strategy or leadership in the way that I really wanted to. And so I fully understand that you have to really speak to what people want, not necessarily what they need at first, because they don't know what they need. And if I talked about it in my jargon, they would be lost, right? They'd be like, wait, what is that? No, I don't need that. Like, it's either you're talking about money or you're talking about nothing. <laughs> people want to make money. And so um, <laughs> I just started, I wouldn't say that I had a project that I didn't absolutely love, except for like, I think I had one, like a group program in the beginning where I was working with like, newbie entrepreneurs and that's definitely not my ministry um, but I realized that in me only offering that one piece number one it kind of it made people to think that like well the main thing I need to focus on they only saw systems in the way of automation they only saw systems in the way of SOPs for me when I talk about operations and strategy and combining those two it is not just your SOP but systemically how is this working together for the greater good going towards your goal? So system isn't just an SOP and how do you do something from A to Z. It is how are you running this company from zero to 100,000, from zero to 500,000, from zero to a million. Yeah. And what's the strategy behind the way that you're operating to get there? Because most of the time people think systems, they're just like, okay, I just need to document everything. And it's like, girl, yeah, do that. but. How you got to these 50, 100,000, 250,000, half a million was a hell on wheels, right? Yeah. Like if you tell the truth and are you willing to do that again? You say you wanted two times that, but if it was hell on wheels and you want to double that, baby, you might not have no wheels. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Never, yes. So yeah. Does it amaze you that you're working with um, women who have reached a certain level of success and they mm -hmm. did it and we do it like yes. we, like you said hell on wheels we do it mm -hmm. so did it amaze you when you're like you started working with clients who are already making their six figures and yeah. you're like hold on wait a minute how did you how did this work like what was it like for you getting into that yeah I would say I'm I'm always amazed not that they did it because I think women can do anything I was raised by um, my mom and my dad weren't together and so like I got to see what a woman's capable of um, and my brother was older so she had a, a older older boy to raise and then me you know and so <laughs> I think that women are capable of anything but I was always more amazed at our sheer desire to keep going 
Like, it, it's always amazing to me just how much a woman will continue to push even when all hell's breaking loose. Yeah. And so I think that for me is what inspires me to continue doing what I'm doing. It inspired me to show up and talk more. It inspired me to turn live on and start talking. You know, it inspired me to talk about something other than money because the women that I serve, they've already got it, mm -hmm. but they're still unhappy. So what's next? Yeah. You, you mentioned to talk more, go on live more. Mm -hmm. um, and you talked about serving. First of all, I want to know, like, why don't you want to work with beginner entrepreneurs? What is that about? Like, is it because just helping someone figure out what they need to do, it takes too much work? Mm -hmm. Or they don't have enough money to, in the, to serve for the time <laughs> that it takes for you to find yourself? No, so it's not that I, that I don't want to serve them. I'm all about who do I best serve. See, a lot of people out here take money for simply serving. I know that my expertise is meant for millions. That's what I worked with a lot of my last few years in corporate. And I do a really good job with it if you're trying to take something that's kind of already built and explode it, scale it, turn it into something else and develop it. Yeah. I can work with them. I've done several things like that. But where's my best? You're going to get my best yeah. when you're already where you yeah. need to be. So for me, it's very important that we remember that we're not the only people that can do business. And there's a coach out there that would love to serve them. There's somebody out there that has a program that is meant, designed, was set up, purposed, prayed for, for beginners. That's where you need to be. <sighs> That's right. What I was going to say <laughs> is you still serve. I do. Um, when you go on live, mm -hmm. I think that there is someone, whether they are like just making pennies, just about to quit their job, they're looking at you. And I think it gets them one step closer. Mm -hmm. You do your lives in a, in a way that um, it, it, it gives like baby steps. Okay, so yeah. this is how I need to get my mind right, right to get in it. Also, it cuts through a lot of the fluff that's happening in our community. Ooh. When, <laughs> you, you, I have said this, I have said this off camera, you come with the heat. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's because you have experienced it that you know what it's like to come, like come into something that's like a, a ecosystem that's already created, be pulled in and, and feel like you went from one system to a completely different system. Mm -hmm. What was your experience like when you finally did quit? And or sorry, when you when you were laid off and you said, OK, I'm making my investment in myself as a business owner, you find yourself in a community and I'm, I'm putting together pieces of your story because yeah. you share, you share. Yeah. But I'm like, were you burned or did you turn on this awareness where you're like, yo, I'm I'm, I'm like caught up. Mm. You mean so? You mean as far as like what I burned incorporate, and then I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna let this happen again. Like in business, you mean? I mean in entrepreneurship. Mm, yeah. So in entrepreneurship, I wouldn't say that I was burned. I think that when I got here, I didn't realize because you know in corporate you have all kinds of stuff that goes on, right? Mm -hmm. Like you are burned. Mm -hmm. But I was really disappointed in the level of fluff that was presented to people, right? Like had I, I hadn't been an entrepreneur for a long time, but I've been in business and different roles um, in different industries all my life. I've been working since I was 14 years old. And so some of the things that I would hear and see and read, I would be like, this is not true. Like, this is not right. People are literally wasting their money. And um, I wanted to be a person who, if I took your money, it was real clear that I was the right choice. I committed to myself that I didn't want to be put into this box or this group of people who were just selling things and you're just letting everybody in. And so I wanted to always be sure that you didn't get no fluff. You knew exactly what you were getting. Mm -hmm. You knew exactly who you were dealing with. You know what I didn't, how, what I couldn't help you with and what I could. And that's really where it came from is like, I didn't want to mislead anybody. I got you. And that's still a focus of mine. Got you. And where, um, where there is fluff, 
that does necessarily that does mislead a lot of people even if it's not your intention mm -hmm. it's just that i do sometimes feel like in certain circles it's like the blind leading the blind right and you're like it's it's unfair for you to you know have that fluff and yeah. not necessarily know what it is that you're doing and then people pay so much money and you say this a lot so i just think that your realness mm. and the way you care for someone is really big so i'm curious what your your thoughts are um about not even just what your thoughts are there are women right now like when they leave corporate yeah they are working with millions mm -hmm. you said this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but then their confidence tells them that when they go into entrepreneurship they can't charge a certain price so that they can work with the millions. Yeah. How did you overcome or how did you develop the confidence to say, listen, I work with millions in corporate, yeah. I'm working with millions here, and this is my price? You know, it was definitely gradual, but I think <clears> that the biggest thing that we have to understand, um, and I want your audience to remember too, is like, it, when you're at a job, your performance is judged. You don't judge yourself. And you're constantly seeking the validation that your performance has been good. So you never actually get the opportunity to fully determine whether your performance is good. So how could you know your value on your own? Mm. Education, jobs, everything is about you seeking the validation and approval and following the rules of someone else. You're not taught to set your own rules. You're not taught to judge yourself, yeah. right? You're taught to study and be tested. You never write the test though. So none of us actually are prepared. None of us are, it was when people say like, I just knew I was supposed to blah, blah. Like, yeah, you could have goals, you have dreams, you can say you want to manifest, but we weren't prepared. You're not prepared to say, pay me $7,500 for a day. You're not prepared to say, I'm going to make millions on my own. You're prepared to say, I can't wait to get a six figure job. I can't wait for these people to hire me. Yeah. I can't wait to get that promotion. I hope that manager sees me. You're not prepared to say, girl, I see myself and she's worth six figures. Simple as that. Simple as that. So how did you see that in yourself? I saw it in myself by when I would work with people and I would ask targeted questions like, how did this help you? And I, and I would check in with people before like it became a whole thing of like having this a client experience, I would check in with people, how are you doing? And when people started telling me that like, man, you taught me in four hours what I didn't get in four months with some people. Yeah. Like, you just helped me save myself 50 grand or $100,000, right? All with me just using this knowledge that I thought was basic. I said, girl, you onto something. You. I kept searching the world and searching for the answer, searching for the safety and the solution in corporate. And it's very different when you look for safety in corporate and then you become the safety in entrepreneurship. Ooh, say that again. You looking for the safety in corporate that you become the safety, safety in entrepreneurship. When you incorporate that, that bi-weekly or monthly check is the safety that you're constantly seeking and working towards. Mm -hmm. When you're in entrepreneurship, you are the safety. Yeah. You go into that appointment, showing up for that session, selling that package, signing that consult. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You're the safety. So you got to value yourself. And I really realized that I had to value me more because I had become the safety. Yeah. You are like a, one of the things I say is a de developing the stability within yourself. Mm -hmm. You are the security. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people don't think about the fact that corporations, they create security around themselves by understanding what their numbers are. So mm -hmm. you feel secure because there's somebody, CEO, COO, yep. 
thinking about the security of the company. So as long as they're thinking about it, yep. you're fine. Yeah. That same level of scrutiny that they give the business, we could give to ourselves. Yeah. But transition that mindset doesn't always happen. Yeah, because you just focused on tasks and like, well, this is what I got to do for the day. You know, but it's like it came from now I got to do this task so that I can get a check to know I got to serve this client so I can pay my bills. Yeah. Because if I don't serve the client, the bills ain't getting paid. Right. You go to you go to work and you log into your computer and play around on Facebook half the day and make a few calls. You probably still gonna get your paycheck. If you mess around <laughs> like that in your business, listen, baby, you mess around <laughs> and don't send that invoice that day after that sales call, or you you forget and then that client missed the invoice. You know what I'm saying? It's, yes. just, it's just different. So yes. I had to start really seeing myself, and um, I think that's probably the biggest lesson as I saw me. Yeah. One of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs will say is that um, when it comes to like corporate security versus entrepreneur insecurity, they'll say like your, your revenue is up and down. Mm. So what I say to that is because when, when, I found, when I found consistency in my actions, I found consistency in my money. Mm -hmm. that not, that's not only that's just my life, but so obviously it's not a general thing. You've been in entrepreneurship way longer. Mm -hmm. What do you say about entrepreneur revenue kind of being up and down and that's just the way it is? I think that there's a duality to it, right? Because the, the nature of business is that you can have months that go up and down. And I think that if we don't talk about that, even in terms of consistency, we set people up for a mindset roller coaster. Because there will be times when that income drops. We just went through a pandemic. Even when you do your best, there are people out there, restaurant industry. We're not in that industry, but you don't know what industry is going to hit, right? We, we just don't know. And so you can have situations like that. Maybe you get sick and you're, you're the only person that's working. And I know everybody loves to talk about a team, but here's the thing. Everybody just ain't there. Mm -hmm. So what happens if you get sick? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So what happens if those clients that you thought were going to sign didn't sign? You know? Business can be up and down, but it's, I think it's not so much about the revenue being up and down as it is your commitment, as it is your attention, as it is your preparation for those moments. So it becomes less about the inconsistency and more about your preparation mm -hmm. the further along you go. So if I have a dip in, if I make no more sales the rest of February, which is happening, if we didn't have any more money to come in and we just stay where we are recurring wise, that wouldn't meet the goal. But baby, we're great. I could not make a dime for. I think at least eight to nine months, I think the accountant just told me, you know what I'm saying? We'd be great. Yeah. But we're set up that way so that we're prepared. So I think it becomes less about, oh my gosh, is it the roller coaster? And more about, are you prepared for what is inevitable? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I understand. And that, that even gives you stability, right? Because mm -hmm. thinking about ahead of time, thinking about your life ahead of time instead of living your life, client end after time. client. Yeah. End time. I yeah, love it. In time. Mm -hmm. Because I think what here's what people forget and they negate. We are human beings, animals. Yeah. All of us are looking for safety. We're on the hunt for safety. Specifically women, right? Men too, but we want safety. You have to determine what that safety is. I think people love to look at money because they think that that's where the safety is. But if you don't quantify or qualify what that safety needs to look like, you're constantly going to find yourself chasing. And so for me, I'm really clear on what safety looks like to me, for me and for my company. Mm -hmm. And it looks a little different for my clients sometimes. It looks a little different for my mentors. But I know what safety looks like for me. And so I always ask people, what does that look like to you? What makes you feel good? Because mm -hmm. it ain't just the sales. 
<laughs> it's not the sales, yeah. honestly. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the transaction is the least part of the, the enjoyment. That's about the easy you. part. Yeah. Yeah, that's the easy part. I know what my accounts need to look like to feel safe. Mm -hmm. I know what um, my team structure needs to look like to feel safe. I know the kind of conversations I need. I know what data I need on a regular basis. You know, I know what that needs to look like. And so I feel safe. Yeah. And if all hell breaks loose, I'm in a better position because I know that the safety is already there and I'm not having to try to go and create it. I think that's where people really miss the mark. So you're constantly thinking about all this money you need to generate every single month and if the money's going up and down, but is the safety net secure? And if you haven't created the safety net, mm -hmm. you will never feel calm. That's a big thing. You'll never feel it. The, the, the worst part about your story is to hear that you were laid off. Mm -hmm. And for people who are still in corporate, that is a safety net. Mm -hmm. And when you said secure the safety net, I really think that that's what the exit strategy is about. Like knowing why is like, what is it that you need if mm -hmm. anything shall happen? Yeah. So like you framing it up that way and saying like secure the safety, like secure that. Yeah. You'll be okay whatever happens. When you were laid off, did you have your safety net? Absolutely. We had money. Still, wow. Still didn't change. What do you mean? I say? tell people that all the time. We had money. I had money saved. Mm -hmm. We had a little nest egg, all mm -hmm. that stuff. Mm -hmm. It does not change the fear or the feeling, the guilt, like my stomach. I'm not a crier, so it took me a few days to like feel the weight, but it did not change the fact that I had been laid off and I lost monthly income. And I tell anyone who meets me that, they'll be like, but you have money saved, doesn't matter. I felt in that moment for the coming weeks as if that money didn't exist mm -hmm. because something stripped away from you. Yeah. And I realized that in that moment, that job in my brain was the safety net and that was a dangerous thing. I tell people that are still working a job, which I love. I'll go back to work if somebody want to pay me enough. I tell people that all the time. Figure out what your safety net is because it cannot be the job. It has to be you. You're the only person you can control. You're the only person that you can tell what to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't tell that job what to do. You can't tell them to give you all your money out your PTO if they decide they don't want to and they let you go. You can't tell them how much to give you. You know what I'm saying? Well, a check when you leave. Thank God they gave me a severance, but it wasn't that much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but you, you, you don't get to control them, but you can control you. So my first year and a half of entrepreneurship, I was aggressive with savings. And I'm still aggressive now. I'm very aggressive. I take, don't take all this extra. And my accountant knows we are aggressive. Because now I have a new safety net goal. You know what I mean? But I was aggressive. and Because I, I don't want my safety net to be another person or institution. It has to be me. It has to be you. And you say, like, if they'll pay you enough, listen, they're going to make a billion dollar COO role. I mean, if y'all ready, holler at me. <laughs> I tell people any day, I will go work for somebody else. That get them. Look, these y'all expenses, put me on a flight. <laughs> would, you do, would you still do a little bit of coaching on the side? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I would do it on a partnership basis, like one-to-one -one if someone wanted me to just kind of like be their advisor partnership, 100%. Mm. Yeah. There's so many coaches that um, are eager to get out of the one-on-one -on -one space. Do you do you like have a preference on group coaching or one-on-one? -on -one? I don't. I'm definitely one-to-one. -one. Um, I like group and I've done things in group. I do have a group. So see your weekend. It's a weekend experience. It's a group of people. So that's my group program. <laughs> um, but. I love one-to-one. -one. I think that one-to-one -one has been given a bad rap because everyone wants to talk about scalability yeah. and how much money you can make. I make plenty of money doing one-to-one -one work, charge the price. But I also think that there's a significant value in a person having someone to talk with them about where they are. 
I think it's really great to teach people in a group, to connect, to mentor them, to give them curriculum, to walk them through something. But there is something very powerful and very valuable about me looking at you and asking you about your business, your specifics, where you are, what you need, and where you're trying to go, and creating a roadmap and a plan um, for you and your team based on your desires. Yes. Not what I just know to be true about the industry or what I've been through and what I know works. Right. Um, I think that, that roadmap that you mentioned provides so much clarity for someone, mm-hmm. especially as creatures. We do like that stability, that structure, it, it, regardless whether people want to dish it out, it's important. Mm-hmm. So to be given a tailored roadmap gives you that security that you can do it. You don't have to be all, what do you say, hell on wheels to figure yeah, it out, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's guidance. So I think about your career, and you had John, who was a yeah. great um, man- manager, but, um, and then you mentioned seeing your mom be a single mother and mm-hmm. getting it how she lives. Shout out to mama. Shout out to mom, yeah, yeah. What was your guidance system like growing up? What was my guidance or system? Or your support system, or who provided guidance? Ooh, um, I think multiple people. I'd have to say, me and my brother are really close. We're 13 years apart, but we're actually very close. And so, he's older. Yeah, he's older. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, shout out to shout out to my brother. I think he is. He's like literally one of the smartest people I know. He looks up to me even though I'm younger. He'll tell me stuff like that, and I'm like, huh? Um, but he's one of the smartest people I know. That like. He hasn't gone to like college or anything like that, but like he understands just people and business. And when I was younger, he would do things I didn't really understand. Like I, he, he started me to counting money when I was younger. So like he would have like, you know how you just collect your coins? And so he'd have like this really big bucket of change. I would go in there and steal it sometime, I'll be honest. You know, get ice cream out the ice cream truck. Shame the truth. Look, the I'm, truth just gonna, I'm just going to tell it. But he would always like just collect coins. Yeah. And he would call me in his room sometime and we would spend hours Wrap. This was back when you had to go to the bank with them wrapped. They didn't have the machines like mm-hmm, they do now. Mm-hmm. And we would wrap coins. But he would make, I had to count. Right? And so, and then we would, um, we would always save dollar bills and things like that. And I would have to count. And so I, I it, that started just my, I understood money in the exchange and what was happening. And my mom, going to the stores and stuff like that, she would always challenge me with math and like, what does this mean? So between my mom, my brother, and my granddad, who was the serial hustler and entrepreneur, I learned a lot. My grandfather literally taught me how to network. He mm. does not meet a stranger. He taught me how to network and to talk to people that didn't look like us. And I think that was probably one of the strongest things that I learned coming up is that he didn't make us, he taught us not to be afraid of who, how we looked and people who didn't look like us, which is a powerful thing even now. It's like you have to be confident. And so like he would go to places where there might not be a lot of black people or just be white people. Yeah. And he encouraged us to talk to them encouraged us to be ourselves and make connections and he would have clients of all religions, cultures and backgrounds. He owned a lawn service and a photography business and growing up watching him gave me the courage to be open to serving everyone and you see it in my business now. I'm really huge on diversity. My client roster and load and programs, you always see white, black, Hispanic, I mean you name it. We might get somebody pink this year, who knows? (laughs) Um, But um, I think he really taught me about diversity and how huge of a role it plays in business. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. From the like economical like sense that you got from your um, yeah. brother, your your mother, um, and even to like being like grounded in like your race. Yeah, I do see that in your business and, and like all of the clients that you showed. But then um, I also think about how that could keep you grounded or not in corporate, right? When you are navigating microaggressions, mm. when you are trying to stay like grounded in yourself and when the value in yourself is kind of like i don't know it's, it can kind of be wavy so with that being said 
was your um, confidence or was your value in yourself ever challenged in the corporate space because of those things? Or did you find yourself having to just fight all the time because you knew who you were? Absolutely. So I found myself, I would say, when I got to roles that really mattered for where I am today. Um, and when I really started understanding um, the exchange of work for pay like what a job really was. Cause I think like when you're in, when you're in high school and you're working, you just like going to have fun. <laughs> so that's why I say when I got to the point where I understood that like I was going to a job as an exchange of like pay for labor type thing, I spent a lot of time fighting. I don't like to talk about it a whole lot because it takes me to a place. Um, but I spent a lot of time fighting for um, equality, fighting for understanding, fighting for people just realizing like, this is just kind of how I talk. I'm not being aggressive, I'm just making a point. Or like, no, like I do realize that like she's getting more of your attention than I am. And why is that, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh. Well. I'm extremely passionate about helping corporate professionals transition into entrepreneurship. So I had to share the one thing, the number one thing that helped me develop as an entrepreneur, and that's the morning meetup. I joined the morning meetup specifically for the structure because I'm, I'm leaving corporate America, so I'm used to those morning huddles. We got ourselves, we know what our goals are, and we get our day started. So I was missing that for two years before I even found the morning meetup. The friends that I've developed, the mentors and the mentees that I've, that I've created relationships with, everything has really created this environment for us to thrive as entrepreneurs. So if you wanna develop as an entrepreneur, you're leaving corporate America and you're trying to figure out how do I get my footing in entrepreneurship, then the morning meetup will definitely be a game changer for you. You can learn with us, you can grow with us. And I didn't even mention that we have a book club. Join us in the community, let's get started today. You will not regret it. Like, she, but she can put red in her hair and if I put red in my weave, there's an issue, right? I, there was a lot that I had to deal with and so for me, um, it just, I, I never stopped. I found ways to do it that were appropriate, not being loud and just causing a scene. I learned how to put pen to paper quickly. Ooh, talk about that. Yeah. Because I think it, the, the people who succeed, mm -hmm. the worst part I hate is like you being fired from corporate because you just didn't know how to play the game. Yeah. So when you know how to play the game, it's, mm -hmm. that's the big thing. So I would love for you yeah. to share like, how did you, when you say paper to pen, how did you learn that? And give me an example of what that looked like. I learned through a challenge. I will say I was in a challenging situation. Um, but my aunt always taught me, my Aunt Teresa, she is like the funniest human being to me. <laughs> um, but we and her would always talk just about like, cause she would always work in environments too, where she was, it was like predominantly, didn't look like you and things like that. And um, we would talk about how it's important that you know how to articulate yourself in written form and not just verbal. Because when you write, it gives you an even playing field on them understanding what you have to say versus trying to, uh, and versus them having a perception of your tone of mm -hmm. voice and what you look like. Mm -hmm. And so I learned how to articulate and communicate my needs, problems um, in the written form. Number one, because that's a paper trail, right? Because a lot of stuff can be said verbally and no one can confirm it. But number two, it allowed me to play on the same playing field as everybody else. Because you can get in contact with anybody if you look in that email directory. Hey, I'm not gonna get you assistant, I'm gonna get you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think for me it was just learning how to say things um, on paper more often than I would out loud. And that also gives you time to think about what you're saying. Mm. Reminds me of Abraham Lincoln. It was a, have you ever read um, How to Win Friends and Influence People? 
No, I haven't read that book. I've heard about it several times. Maybe it's time I read it. <laughs> it's, it's funny that you mentioned that, but um, it just talks about how Abraham Lincoln would yeah. just like fire off on somebody. And um, he would have to take his time, write a letter. And when he passed away, they found so many letters that were written. The first one, the mm -hmm. first drafts that he never sent. And yeah. so you're saying it takes you that time to yeah. get your thoughts out and think about what you're going to say. Yeah, because you know when you're talking, you, depending on like I speak with my hands, you'll mess around and roll some stuff off. You don't know what's gonna come out you might have really yeah. you might end up calling Becky what you want to call her you know and so when you're writing something out it requires you to be uh, strategic yeah. with your choice but not only strategic with your choice of words but get to the point I think writing things out and getting um, and learning how to send an email instead of pick up the phone allowed me to also get very specific about what I expected back so a lot of times when you start just talking at people and responding, you're complaining and you don't have a solution in hand. When you write, it makes you start to think about what you like to see. So yeah, earlier so-and-so mentioned to me in the hallway, she said X, Y, and Z. I didn't like her tone. She talked to me in front of a patient. What I would like to see next time is that we follow policy A, B, and C. <laughs> you write, it's kind of like it gives you a, a chance mm. to think. I love that. I'm thinking about um, I'm thinking about you. You talk about like you talked about milestones in your marriage, and I feel like you are able to communicate in a way that like when you communicate that way, <laughs> like oh, it gets man. you a long way. It has that skill, has that trait uh, trait also helped you develop as a person in your marriage? Baby, let me tell you. So I'm married <laughs> to a Gemini. I don't know if you know about a Gemini, but that is like... I know this. Well, I know all of this, the subjective... Yes, it's a Sour Patch Kid. You don't know what you're going to get from one minute to the next. The day could be really great, and it could go real bad real fast. Uh, but they're such sweet people, by the way. Shout out to you. <laughs> yes. Um, but um, in my marriage, it has for sure helped me because of just clarity. I don't think... That people think that marriages and relationships and over money and it's just really ends over communication so i can be really clear about this is what i don't like i don't appreciate this but i would like to see or however this would have been better or great and that works especially with men <laughs> the concrete the concrete like what do you need from me because it's because then it's not about the complaint it's yeah. about you explaining what you would want and why you want it mm -hmm. so you're good you good. I was going to ask you about, so I, my mind jumped straight to that because I'm just thinking about you as a per person and yeah. I, oftentimes I'm thinking about all of these things at once. Yeah. Um, but thinking about, we're kind of building on this, um, your identity as a black woman and the grounding that you have from your grandfather and navigating corporate America, learning how to communicate through the written word. Um, I think that there's also like an emotional intelligence part of it um, that is required. Mm -hmm. And I was going to ask you what your healing process was. Like, once you know know how to communicate, I think that's still like a bit of a, a fight. Yeah. Um, to like you're fighting through the 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 politics that are required. So, and it also just makes you a better communicator, which, mm -hmm. like we said, has benefits yeah. in our personal life. But what's your healing? What has your healing process been? When you say like I'm not a big crier, it's you know a lot of times we look at our strong friends and we don't realize. They're, they're needing of support too. So what's your like healing process through some of those things? Yeah, so intentionally looking for people that will ask me how I'm doing. I, I realized that because I can appear to be the strong friend and I can appear to be 
um, the person that like might not need anything. I intentionally look for people that would take the time to stop and say, hey, how are you doing? But then I also did a better job of communicating to my current friends, family, and spouse that, hey, I also need you to give this back to me. I think that's the missing piece for most of us that are strong, and women especially. People just need to be given permission to ask us. I think that's what it is. Because I don't think that everyone wants to be nosy. We got some nosy people out there, right? <laughs> but I think that people need to feel like it's okay to ask you about your feelings. Yeah. You know, because I think it's a very personal thing. And so mm -hmm. I just got really good at allowing people um, in to say, like, hey, you, you know, you can ask me how I'm doing. Right. Like, just reminding them. Yeah. But like, I would love for you to just, you know, check in on me. You always call me with your problems. I got some today, too. Would you like to listen? I learned to, like, take the time that I needed and also command that of people. Like, if you're going to call me all the time with your problems, can I talk to you about mine? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so my husband now is like, if he wants to talk about something and he wants to tell me something that's just really going on with him, one thing I love about him is that he will always, at the end of what's going on with him, which is, I think it's very special, he will always stop and say, yeah, I know I just kind of dumped a lot on you. You got anything? That means the world to me. So I think we teach people how we want them to help support us in our healing. Mm -hmm. um, I've been through therapy a few times, love therapy. Um, and I just ensure also that like, I don't, I command what I need. I think that's probably the biggest thing. I command what I need. And if you're a person that wants to be in my circle, that wants to call yourself friendly, that wants to, you know, say that like, hey, we really mess with each other. You gotta be willing to give me what I need. Yeah. That's it. That's big. Mm -hmm. A person like you, outside looking in, um, who's very like in touch, and you've obviously processed your thoughts. You are, um, you have a support system around you to talk through and think through things. Um, I would imagine it, it can attract some people who are like, I need to like get this off my chest or vent. Um, All the do time. you find yourself like with a lot of like, even potential clients like in your DMs, like wanting to just share and need some console. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that? And then the boundaries, like especially like you growing as an entrepreneur, what has yeah. that been like for you? Yeah, you know what? I think ever since I was younger, like but like a child, people just wanted to tell me their business. I remember telling my mom, I was thinking I was like 12 or 13 years old, and I was just like, your friend just told me all her business. <laughs> and like I didn't understand it. Like she was just talking about something and she was telling all her business. Um, but I think for me, I enjoy it. I think that I understand that it really is a powerful thing to have. And so I don't get aggravated with it at all, actually, because there are lots of people who wish that folks would open up about small things. And so I actually see that as a superpower I've really because it used to bother me I used mm -hmm. to be like why are people just dumping on me but I realized that it's actually something special for someone to tell you their weaknesses for someone to open up about their challenges for a business owner to fill out my form and tell me why they just got off live stream saying how successful they are as a seven-figure earner to tell me that they're literally banging their head up against the wall because they're making all this money and they don't know what to do next that's special. People opening up about themselves, their weaknesses, what they can and cannot do, what's going wrong, that's special. And if I overlook that and I just don't see it as something, I'm missing out on what I'm supposed to do. So the way that I handle it is just, you know, I go in my DMs when I can. <laughs> I only open them when I actually have time to respond. Um, and yeah, I just kind of see it as like, that's what I, that's what I attract. And if someone actually wants to tell me their business, I'm doing a good job of building trust you absolutely do mm -hmm. i can i can tell um and i love i love the stories that you tell you really do a really good job of like just giving context about what your life might look like yeah. versus um 
on the inside and the out. You sh you do a good job of like also keeping clear boundaries mm -hmm. of like what you're willing to share. Yeah. Um, and it brings me to like um, the work that we do online, mm -hmm. right? Um, for personalities who want to be CEO and they want to be on the forefront, there's one way to behave. And then for people who don't necessarily want to be the face of their brand, there's mm -hmm. another way. Do you deal a lot in personality when you're working with a client? Even at the at a at the highest level, does personality have anything to do with it, or and do you help people understand how to leverage their personality versus like how does that play into um, your role? Yeah, so in my role, a lot of times when the woman comes to me for context, they have already they normally built something or they've started to they're mm -hmm. well on their way, and what I see a lot of is people try to. Um, get business owners to conform to where to the ways that they have been doing things and, I, and that works but I do feel like when we try to change a person's persona or personality that's not gonna be long-lasting and you're gonna get something that's temporary it's almost like if I get you to start going to the gym today and tomorrow next week you'll be doing really well because you have a goal in mind but what happens when you meet the goal you slow down. Mm -hmm. Now you're only going to the gym two or three times a week, right? So for me, I want to know what that two or three times a week person is. And let's take that, harness it, and leverage it. Got it. Right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a micromanager, that's fine. You micromanage your team, that's fine. It's not a negative thing. Let's figure out how to leverage that micromanaging elsewhere because the team is bothered. <laughs> right? They're bothered. Yeah. But that micromanaging is really valuable. Where else in the business could we actually use that energy? Because you're micromanaging them when you really should have been micromanaging this program where the people are out of control, right? So it's kind of like, how do we take those skills and personality and I figure out how do we leverage that and not turn it into, well, that's not good, that's bad, let me mold you into exactly how I do things. No, let's leverage what's strong for you. Yeah. It's a weakness over here, but it's a strength over there. That's good. You kind of, we're each inching into the leadership coach part of you yeah. because we've talked a lot about the operations side of things, yeah. but the leadership part is where the fun for me because I'm, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, like, say yeah, it. It's fun. It's where the fun is. I love to get into the people aspect of it. So, like, what, what is it like? Um, when, what, well, actually, I'm actually curious about how you bridge the gap between your corporate experience and leadership and then what you do now in leadership. If you mm -hmm. could characterize that for me, that'd be awesome. Yeah, how I bridge the gap as far as. What were you doing in corporate? Mm. And then how does it relate to how you help people manage their teams and work better? Yeah, so when I, my, one of my last roles in corporate, I actually went into um, a company that was experiencing lots of transition, mm. for lack of a better term. And um, I took over a department that had previously had five people. And when they got through doing what they were doing, there was only two of us in there. And it was me and one team member. And I had to grow it. It was a mess when I got it, so I had to do a lot of fixing. And so, in addition to that, being you know responsible for five million dollars worth of budget, three call centers, now responsible for all the managers. Like, what, what, what are we gonna do here every day? Right hand to the director. He don't know really much about numbers and stuff, right? So it's like there's this whole learning process, and all that weights on me. And so, um, even before that, I was managing teams and big projects. And so, dealing with money and ops was very um, normal for me at that point. But the leadership of people really changed because now I wasn't just leading team members, I was also essentially leading leaders. And I really got to see them from a different perspective. I got to see the insides of what they were really struggling with and why the teams were complaining, right? And, and you know what I'm saying, and why they would have this issue between them and upper management and why they couldn't get that role and promote, things like that. And so it connects on this side because I'm able to get people to see why we ensure that we we train people so that they'll stay 
right? Um, and why you have to invest in your development as a leader. Because I think we do a lot of talking in entrepreneurship about we gotta hire people so they can do the work and stuff, but ain't nobody talking about how you gonna keep them. Facts. How are you gonna retain them? Of how are you gonna grow them? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So and growing, you grow them by growing yourself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. I see I see leadership as a tree. Right? Everyone talks about the seed, you plant the seed, then you get the tree, right? Your team is the fruit. So the team is fed by the tree being fed. Mm -hmm. Yes. And a lot of people aren't feeding the tree and they wonder why the fruit doesn't fully produce or falls off. Do you believe that um, all employees are good employees? Like all employees can find their, like their, all good fruit can produce good, all good employees can produce good fruit with the good management? Or do you believe that there's some people, there's some bad apples <laughs> since I, we talk about fruit? <laughs> I do believe that there can be, I do believe that an, uh, an apple can turn bad on the wrong shelf. I do believe that. Mm -hmm. Meaning that sometimes people just are in the wrong roles. And I do believe that it is our job as leaders to be aware of that and sometimes make the employee aware. I've had people work for me that I recognize that this is not where they needed to be. I am not afraid to have that conversation with them. Mm -hmm. I fear more that they will stay with me longer than they were supposed to than fearing them leaving me. I think too many people are worried about a person leaving and going on to do better. But to be quite frank, that's fruit of good leadership. Yeah. I believe I'm just that good of a leader and I run a business that's just that great that you will get so good, you have to leave me. It's so clear, the work that we do here, your job is gonna be so great and so clear that if it's not for you, you're gonna have to leave. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So for me, it's like, can the apple be bad? Sure, but not in the way I think that people present it. I got you, okay. As a leader, yourself, mm. you've gone through, I know, leadership challenges. <sighs> you had to learn about yourself. <laughs> yeah. What are the things, are some of the things that you learned that you had to unlearn and things that you just had to learn along the way? Yeah, I'm a straight shooter. And so for some personalities, that just does not work, right? Um, in a sense of the delivery. So I've really had to invest a lot of time and energy and um, facial expressions. So even when I was in corporate, I had to really learn how to control my facial expressions. But um, so being a straight shooter and having facial expressions, I really had to learn how to control that, I think. like. You know, I, I talk with my hands and like you'll see like how I feel on my face. And so I've taken some communications classes and um, even public speaking classes help too because it's all about like your posture and, mm -hmm. you know, and talking to people and connecting with them. So learning how to be a straight shooter, but also having a soft approach was different. I grew up around a lot of strong women. So I think for me, that was the biggest challenge. Like, and I think it still is my challenge. You know, I just, I just say what I need to say. And sometimes I can't understand how people take it personal, but I have to still work at it. <laughs> Listen, you taking that ownership, I think sometimes is, is all that's necessary. As a person who will, has read the four agreements and is still working on taking <laughs> things personal, I love a straight shooter Yeah, because it, it, it gets me out of my feelings. And if I know who you are, then I know you said what you meant. And it's grounding for me. Exactly. When the world is so full of fluff, I'm just like, I just need somebody who says what they mean and means what they say and do what they say. I love people do. like you. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it, gives us, it gives us people uh, who are very much like, feely emotionally like yeah um, and still working on taking things personal it gives it, it gives people grounding like yeah. you know something to be stable off of and i've and i've learned how to work with people who are um, who might just be a little bit more 
I wouldn't I don't like to say sensitive because I think it makes it seem bad but they just are more aware of how things make them feel and they listen to everything that you say mm -hmm. um, and so you know learning how to communicate in a way that's like yeah I can still be direct but I can also show emotional intelligence in that response it might take a little bit more of that you know so yeah, yeah. yeah. another trait that um, is required I would say in life I won't just say entrepreneurship. You know, you see on a job description, self-motivated, or um, <laughs> you know, what is that? Initiate. What is that? Self-starter. Show, show, shows initiative. So, shows initiative. Yeah. Those, those words. Now, that's fine. All fine and dandy when you see it on corporate. I do believe sometimes that when you're in there, they don't really want you to be a self-starter. You give them that template, like to a, the wrong manager. Yeah. Hey, I have yeah. this manual that we can all do better. And they're like, yeah. Who's this girl trying to do my job? Or whatever happens that is not right. That did not happen when John helps you. Mm -hmm. It's um, the other side that's it's really required as an entrepreneur. But like being motivated and things like that, even through hard times, mm -hmm. is developed in different ways in different entrepreneurs. Yeah. For some, like you've experienced like the worst and poverty and living in a car. Yeah. And as far as we've talked, we haven't talked about any of those types of stories, but for you, what is the, what is that thing that keeps you internally motivated to do what it is that you do? Mm, to serve who I serve. I think it's realizing that the same thing that I experienced in corporate is the same thing that they're experiencing in entrepreneurship, the women I serve. I was quiet holding on to something and I was silently struggling and so for me I need to continuously show up say things and have that voice because they oftentimes are silently struggling until they find me and so if I'm silent they're gonna keep struggling and so every single day I gotta make some noise even in the moments where I just feel like I always tell my friends like I just feel like I'm ready to go on a hole because sometimes I'm like oh my god I just don't want to be on the internet I don't want to be anywhere I just want to stay at home um, but I know that she's out there waiting for me and she's silently watching me on social media or she's silently on a live not engaging um, or in my stories or like on my website or something. I need to show up. Mm. Um, but I think growing up, I just learned that bad things can happen. Hard things will happen. Um, but I think the harder thing would be for me to look back and see that I did nothing mm. when that hard time came. So you show up. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like an internal decision to show up even when you don't want to yeah. because she is counting on you. And yeah. not that she's like, oh, where's Tamasha? But she doesn't even know that she needs you. She's yeah. not living out loud, so you have to live out loud and do that. Yeah, because John didn't realize that I needed him at that moment. He was just there. Yeah, that's being himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whew, thank goodness for like the, the good things that do happen and, and give us, they remind us that mm -hmm. we need to show up for ourselves and for our people. Yeah. I like that um, rewording that you did. You said, I said, do what you do. You said, serve who I serve. I love that. Serve who I serve. Listen, yeah. I, was, I was like, let me go. I use that word so often because I think that we can sometimes forget that in all of our doing, we are serving human beings. We literally are serving people. I don't like to say this, this is what I do. This is what I serve. This is how I serve. Um, I feel like serving is more expensive than doing anyway. It's a lot of people out here just doing. Yeah. And can't serve nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I serve. That's good. It, it is. There's a lot of people out here just doing. Yeah. A lot of people just doing podcasts and we can't find them. Yes. Listen, this has been. <laughs> you serving it up. <laughs> oh, my God. Let me tell you, because the, the ego, the ego trip that you have to get out of in mm -hmm. order to deliver something that someone else needs, mm -hmm. right? To, to pray with intention that this is something that someone will receive. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this ain't about you, are you? <laughs> Listen, because if it was about me, sis would not be on the internet. I'm going to tell you that. I wouldn't be on the internet. 100%. Ooh, what you doing so flawlessly? 
Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate Receive it. Every time it. someone says it, I'm like, okay, one more notch. We got it. One more month. We can do it. <laughs> you got it. I will be there 100% to like boost that up because I wish you would continue to do it. Mm -hmm. I think another reason why you are a perfect person to be on the Work and Play podcast is because you do talk about the life that you have. Now, we don't see that part, but you do talk about the life that you've set up for yourself and yeah. how your business, uh, like, um, and it, uh, I want to say like it empowers you to to live the life that you want. You said yeah. 20 hours a week. Let's get into like yeah. what does the life of work and play actually look like now that you've mm. gone? You're an entrepreneur. You set up life how you want it to. What does that look like for you? Oh, yeah. So I would say life looks like and there's some weeks where I work more than 20 hours, but life looks like. It looks like life infused with the luxuries of owning a business. It's not business infused with my life. Mm. That makes sense. Yes. So it's like I I, I business around the things that we have coming up in life, right? So it's like, you know, I before we even get into the, for the year, me and my assistant, I'm scheduling everything I want to do personally and all the stuff we're doing personally and all the holidays and the birthdays and the events that we know are coming up. Then we create the availability for the business. Then I set the schedule for when I can do sessions or VIP days. Then we set the schedule for when we're going to have events. Mm -hmm. So every single thing that I do is super intentional. And so it's been, it, it's the reason it works is because I prioritize life. The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now let's get back to the episode. So it's really fun to be able to get to do that because I remember before, you know, again, working for someone else, you're constantly putting in requests to live your life. Oh, come on. <laughs> Me. But I'm going to live my life regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about your grandfather and yeah. he was the entrepreneur. Yeah. Like, did you like, did you get any wisdom about like how to live your life? Was he a traditional entrepreneur? Like, did he work all the time? Yeah. What was it like having a grandfather who's an entrepreneur? You know, I think that I didn't realize that he was an entrepreneur until I got older, obviously. Yeah. But he was, I, 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 one thing I love about my grandfather, and it still applies today, is that I just loved how he never met a stranger. Like any city we went to, he knew somebody yeah. or they knew him. I loved the connection and the relationship that he was able to build. And so I think that's something, honestly, I get from him. Like everywhere I go, I feel like I know somebody. Or like, I literally, I'll tell y'all something I ain't told anybody right here on the podcast. Um, I was just in uh, Cabo, Mexico a couple months back. Y'all saw on, on social media, yeah. lived my life there. Well, on the way back, I don't know if y'all realize, I went missing for a couple days until mm -hmm. I actually came back on social. Mm -hmm. I got stuck in Mexico City unexpectedly and couldn't get a flight out. Mexico City is not Cabo. Mm -hmm. I went from <laughs> living, I mean, I went from the rich to the red roof, okay? <laughs> like it was, it was different. And here I am in Mexico City, I'm in the airport, I'm calling my husband, you know, I said all kinds of things, stressed. And we get the hotel and the airline and everything like that. I get to the hotel and I'm in Mexico City in a country, not in the United States. And I said, I'm not gonna sit in this hotel all day. Let me call Erica. Somebody I met on the internet. She's been wanting to meet me for a long time. I'm in Mexico City. I call her, she's like, what? She follows me on the internet. She's like, you're here in Mexico City. I'm coming to get you and we're gonna go out on the town. And I was out in Mexico City in the Mexico streets 
literally had just went from crying an hour before because I wanted to go home and see my husband in Mexico it. City, right? And so, like, it's those moments of entrepreneurship where I'm like, come on, granddaddy. Like, thank you for teaching me how to connect with people. Oh, my gosh. She and literally came and got me. But it's that now that speaks volumes on all different <laughs> levels because, yes, yes, shout out to grandfather because that, that innate ability to reach out to somebody. But the fact that you have somebody like, let's pull, pull up on me. Literally, she she was like, you're here? Oh, I'll be there. We're going to go out in the town. Are you ready? I don't want to get there too early. She came. And you, you were able to turn your, th your turn your trip around and enjoy Literally, yourself. I mean, I went from lemons to lemonade with some nice ice, honey. I just, I enjoyed myself. And shout out to Mexico City. Listen. That was like, I, didn't, I haven't told anybody about this, actually. <laughs> I think a few, few of my clients knew because we had to cancel calls. But yeah, I got stuck in Mexico City. Didn't know nobody speaking a piece of Spanish. And call somebody I knew on the internet that just followed me, we met, and she came, and we had a good time. That's a beautiful side of you. And it, it's, it's like that kind of stuff is what makes being your friend, I'm sure, like a jewel. Mm. Because it's that it's that ability for you to genuinely connect with someone, mm -hmm. to just be able to call them up, hey, I know you on the internet, right? And it, it feels like, because we kind of grew up halfway millennial, yeah. halfway um, whatever the one before us is, it's still the internet and you don't yeah. realize the real friendships that we can like forge yeah. offline and the trust yes. she had to trust me to come exactly you know what i'm saying yeah she came right on that's beautiful yeah it, it was volumes. it was great in the moment too that's beautiful. <laughs> i love Thank it you. yes so when it comes to like what, you, what you're looking towards in 2022 mm. what are you working on yeah. um one i've appreciated you sharing your story um I think there's so much, you know, so much to share. But I also, I also respect that you give so much, yeah. and um, whatever you share is what you do share. And then the things about your personal life and, and as you grow as a person, those are things that I also like. I value and respect, and wouldn't necessarily like um, force or try to get like pry into areas of yeah. your life that's just like you know what, let that be sacred. Yeah. But when it comes to your like goals and what it is that you seek and um, how you want your entrepreneurship look to look like, yeah. what are you looking forward to? I think for 2022, I'm looking forward to CEO uh, Weekend. It's just become a signature pillar for me right now. It literally is the manifestation of the last few years of work is being able to create an event that allows me to serve both the CEO woman and the CEO entrepreneur. Um, and so my main focus this year is taking that and really growing it and allowing me to serve more people. Um, and then also too, I think just uh, continuing to grow awareness around the fact that money doesn't buy happiness in our space um, because that's not talked about enough. Mm. Um, and so, you know, if you'll notice in my marketing, I don't use money at all. And it has been a slower trajectory to grow the business, but I was okay with that. And so um, continuing that is a legacy I want to leave and it's starting to really hone in for my people. And so, um, that's our focus this year is to impact more people with that message um, because there are more people struggling silently so I gotta ask you I know I said like we get invited here but like yeah. you said money doesn't buy you happiness yeah. and I think that that is um, a struggle for a lot of people to stick with yeah like, even if they start entrepreneurship with that mindset mm -hmm. you can be swayed easily when you see like oh they talk about money all the time maybe yeah. I'm doing this wrong yeah so how did you stay grounded in that in that sense and did you ever falter from that belief you know what? No, I think because I've seen money. I've seen money, I've played with money, I've had money, I have money. I think that um, I firmly believe that if God gave humans the ability to create life, creating money is easy. So I think that people put creating, the, the idea of making money on a higher pedestal than what it needs to be, that's easy once you figure out how to do it. To be happy with it though, 
is the common thing that people don't talk about that happens. Mm. You think about all the celebrities, you don't really hear about anything until it's in the tabloids, right? And so my thing is like, let's stop hearing about the unhappiness when everything blows up and let's start solving the puzzle as soon as you realize that it exists. Yeah. So, mission is like, identify that you're unhappy before you need to like shut your business down. Identify that things don't serve you well before you get to firing people who really do love and enjoy you, but you've gone crazy, right? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's, let's get your business back in order before your husband says that he's leaving you. You know, mm -hmm. like, let's do it before the chaos, so yeah. If it wasn't coaching, how would you live out your purpose? Um, mm, through speaking. I think, like, I enjoy speaking. I haven't been focused on it as much um, last year, so we're kind of up in the ante on that, but I enjoy speaking, um, specifically teaching. So I actually, I was a professor. Really? Yeah, I always wanted to teach, and so coaching allows me to to teach, but if I wasn't coaching and doing this type of business, 100% would be a professor, full-time. I enjoy it. It's just like coaching with academia sprinkled in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the results are different. You're no longer giving A's and B's. Now you get to see them making thousands and thousands. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. I'm... I could ask you questions all day. I know. <laughs> I could ask you questions all day. But I really, truly have enjoyed you being on the couch. One, I think there are people who can take away from your story and apply some of the mindset things that you've actually put, th you put like things in sound bites where it's like, oh, let me journal about that. Let me live <laughs> like that. And then it prepares someone to eventually work with you one day. If that's, if that's so true, if that's how like life um, happens. And so you being able to like just be your authentic self being able to reflect and do those things. Yeah. I think that you continuing to serve yourself allows you to serve other people and where they are in their journey, wherever they are in their journey. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's the ultimate goal for me, being myself. I make more money being myself than being somebody else, so yeah. hey. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. So before we get out of here, um, I would love to reach out to a woman mm. and she's not necessarily, you know, maybe she hasn't been rewarded with some of her solutions that she brought, she's brought to the table. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to figure out how does she get unstuck from yeah. where she is right now. And a layoff, she might be praying for a layoff right now, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So what is it um, that you would say? And, and where is she? What would you say to that woman so that she can make the next step towards the life that she truly wants to live? Mm. I would say to her, and I would say to you that you have to see yourself before you expect other people to see you. And I think that in most cases, when you're in corporate, um, we are silently looking for more visibility. We want someone to see us and recognize us. And we are desiring for folks to see the potential in us. When in reality, the real visibility that you're looking for comes through your own eyes. You don't see yourself enough yet to say the things that you need to say, to apply to the job that you need to apply to, to ask and command for the pay that you need. Um, and so see yourself first and see yourself as the person that you've been dreaming of. Let's stop dreaming about things and let's start working towards them. That's what I would say. Straight shooter, remember? Straight. <laughs> that, that is all you needed. So if you ever needed additional, you wanna like learn a little bit more, figure out what did you mean by that, Tamasha? Cause I'm trying to figure out how do I apply that? Then Tamasha, how can they reach out to you and what are some things that they can do to work with you? Yeah, so I definitely would say, come hang out with me on Instagram. That is my social media playground. Um, we have a good time there. And I would definitely say too, you know, check out my website, TamashaSuper.com. And if you are a woman that says like, I really need to work on this and I know that this is that next, I need the next step then I would just encourage you to consider working with me um, in a VIP day or whatever we have open when you look on the website. 
so gracious. It's so beautiful to be with, around a servant-hearted individual. So you guys heard the woman. Do what you need to do for yourself, for your business, for your own work. Get up out of here. Find the work and play life that you desire. Until next time, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for watching. Until next time, peace.